Coaches. Blow the whistle, ay. blow the whistle, ay. blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, ay. blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, yeah. blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, What's up, guys? Welcome into the Fantasy Coaches Podcast. This is your host, Steve Pintado, and with me, as always, is my main man, Jabron Curtis. What's going on, Jibs? Ain't much. Just enjoying a day off, but we're back to two pods a week, and um, I'm getting used to this now, so... <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Two pods a week. You got it there, Jibs. Uh, you know, we were going one all off season. Now we're getting heating up in August. You know, training camp's kind of getting underway once the COVID situation is under control, but two episodes a week, guys. We're going to be a lot of fun this month, uh, a lot of great people we got going on, uh, and the first one I'd like to introduce here is John Beef from the uh, Love of Sunday. I'm saying it wrong. John, where's your podcast from? I'm sorry. From the Love of Sunday. The Love of Sunday. Right? Love of Sunday. For the Love of Sunday. There we go. I thought it was, I wrote it in there, I thought I wrote it wrong, I was like, no, that's right, the Love of Sunday podcast. <laughs> What's going on, man? Just loving Sundays, man. That's, I mean, hey, I, mean, I can't love a good Sunday, especially with some football going on. So I, I can't hate that. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, fingers crossed. I'm getting, I'm getting nervous now. Uh, watching the MLB sort of crumble and watching some of these other uh, mishaps going on across other leagues, it's making me nervous. But I, I think, fingers crossed. I don't know who's going to be out there, but we will have football come fall. I'm sure of it. The NFLPA and the NFL kind of guaranteed us of that. Yeah, they'll have something. I don't know if it's going to be 16 games. Hopefully it is, but I think they're going to handle a little bit better than the MLB who's handling the situation right now. So we're hoping. Couldn't have handled it much worse. So Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> Definitely, not. Definitely not. But uh, why don't you tell the lower listeners uh, you know, a little bit about yourself, a little about your guys' podcast, and uh, what you like to do in the fantasy community. Sure. Uh, so the podcast is For the Love of Sundays, FTLS Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, it's me and my buddy Brian. So we, we found a way in the fantasy football space that we just loved talking leagues, talking shop, you know, sort of dissecting because it's, it's a game ultimately that we forget about. We look too microscopically at individual players and we don't zoom out enough and look at entire leagues and formats and trades because everyone dumps so much energy into one player. But if you swing and miss on that one player in one draft pick, you, your world's not over. You got a whole season to finish out and you got a whole team to sort of build out. So we kind of encompass everything that goes into fantasy football and everything that goes into running a team and, you know, sort of where we like to operate like GMs and we joke around in our fantasy football thread and we all act like big owners and big shot GMs and that. But sometimes you got to have that mentality and you got to think that way. If you're running a fantasy football team, if you look too small and you look too, uh, too microscopic, you end up, you know, you can't see the forest of the trees. No, definitely. So we do that, and you can find the podcast anywhere. Uh, if my grandfather can find it and my grandfather can subscribe to it, you can find it and subscribe to it. It's easy. Uh, just look up FTLS uh, in Apple Podcasts. You can follow Brian. Brian's the brains. He's um, he's my co-host. He's actually an NHL scout, so he uses a lot of his, or we use a lot of his data and analysis and his systems and his graphs and to put and pump it into fantasy football. But it's interesting how, you know, the way they scout in the NHL 
if you look at real scouting in the NFL, it's similar. You, you kind of rank people in terms of roles and positions and then where you think their value is in that role and position. Uh, sometimes we get too nervous and we say, okay, this guy's just going to be a first down, second down back. Well, what does that mean for that team? If he's just a first down, second down back, like a Derrick Henry, which I think he is, but in that role, he's great at it and he's going to dominate. So, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting when you start categorizing players like Brian does in fantasy, how it ends up working out. No, no, that's 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 amazing, and you guys do some great things. There. I've listened to some of you guys' podcasts, so now if you guys haven't had a chance, definitely give them a follow. And where are you guys from, by the way? Uh, Boston originally. Boston, so okay. I'm down in Florida now, but we're both from Boston. Uh, Waltham, actually, it's a little town right outside of Boston. Um, we grew up together, and it's where we're from. It's born and raised. You can see my Willie McGinnis jersey behind me. So, uh, go Pats! Okay. I just relocated down to Florida for my wife's job. Uh, I can't complain. It's 95 and sunny almost every day. So <laughs> it's, life is good. <laughs> life is pretty I good. I believe it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, the humidity, you get used to it. You got to carry an extra shirt in your car in case you go out. You know, you need to swap shirts every once in a while because I pit out like crazy. But um, other than that, you get used to it. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm, gratefully for you, though, you're in the best state now for football right now. I don't know if you can see my screen right now, but this is this <laughs> yeah. is where it is now. Fins up. Fins up here. That's why I'm in, living in Jersey, and I'm a Dolphins fan. Jibs, you're doing it right. Jibs is also obviously down the street from me, basically, and he's a he's a good old Eagles fan over there. So okay, for the love my birds. Yeah, for yeah. the birds. Uh, How's but your coach, doing? I heard he's uh. I heard he's a little under the weather. He's a little under the weather. He's asymptomatic, but I think he's going to fight through. He's going to quarantine, and then he's going to get back to business. Good. Good, good. Maybe when you guys are in the uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> sure. Like Carson Wentz is freaking run training camps. I don't care. Someone's going to get a job done. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the news for the day. There's a lot to talk about today. Uh, I'm going to go over some minor things first. Uh, the Delaney Walker has been linked to the Ravens and Patriots. Uh, so there's a chance he could sign uh, within the next couple uh, days here. We could be talking about him. Uh, Darrell Inman, kind of a really low-key signing uh, with the Washington Redskins, who just lost Kelvin Harmon. Uh, that could be interesting. As we've been talking about COVID, guys, some big names, obviously Matthew Stafford, Menchu, James Washington, Jalen Samuels, Chase Steinberger, TJ Hawkinson, Kenny Galladay, all got put on the I, the uh, IR COVID list. Doesn't mean they have COVID, but there's a chance they could or have been in contact with someone who has. So a lot of players on that list there. Uh, real quick, um, does it change your guys' opinion, say a guy like Zeke who's had COVID already, to maybe go out and grab him over maybe someone else. I mean, we're talking about this a little too early as we're going to talk talking about running backs, but just in general sense, does having a COVID play, a player who's had COVID already change your way that you think about them in this coming draft? So I, I've been asked this a couple of times on other podcasts, and my answer is the same. I don't know anything about COVID. I'm not a doctor. I don't know how it works. You know, People tell me once you've had it, you won't get it again. You have the antibodies, you're good. I just, it's hard when you get into that game where you start, you know, adjusting players because, well, he might have antibodies, so he won't get it again. It's, you're adding too many variables at that point. To me, I just don't even, that doesn't cross my mind. It's like, okay, he had it, great. I guess it could be a check on, you know, and if you're putting a pros and cons, it could be a check on the pros. But when it came to rankings and, you know, stat projections and stuff like that, I didn't even... It didn't affect me at all. 
Gotcha. No. Just for me, I just think it's still an even playing field. Like you still hear people, or some people have it and then contracted it again. So I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities either. So if he had it, if he came back, I just think that's kind of encouraging for some NFL players or just athletes in general that they, even though they're doing the right things, they could still get it and they could still could like either recover from it and move on. So fantasy is going to be weird this season. So let's get it riding with the boys. Yeah, definitely. You're going to see more names as, as the month goes on for sure. But don't, you know, don't get too concerned about it. You know, it's just precautionary measures for some, a lot of these people. So uh, obviously Jarvis Landry, Rashard Penny starting off on the pump list. Uh, not a good sign for both those guys. Thought they at least maybe at least Jarvis Landry would miss it. Uh, hopefully he can get off by the regular season. Uh, Jeremy Hill. Uh, oh, Jeremy Hill. I haven't heard about his name in over two years. Uh, signs of the Raiders. Uh, I don't really see it as a big thing. Maybe a goal line thing if he, if he makes the team. But uh, I think they're just doing it for a depth reason. Uh, Jordan Reed signed a one-year deal with the 49ers today. That could be interesting, but we all know about his concussion concerns. And this is the last guy I'd like to mention real quick, and maybe we can talk about real quickly. Uh, LaShawn McCoy uh, signed a one-year deal with the Bucks, uh, I believe, sometime over the weekend. Maybe it was Friday. Does that impact uh, Ronald Jones, guys? Keyshawn Vaughn? It, it does, but in a more in a confidence way. It nev- it's not going to affect, because when Keyshawn Vaughn hit the COVID list, I, I think the Bucks just realized they don't have much in that room in terms of depth. And, and they realized how quickly that can just dwindle into nothing. So they wanted to bring a veteran in. Ronald Jones is still a young guy. I mean, he's younger than Keyshawn Vaughn. So they're treating him, you know, with kid gloves, with rookie gloves. And it makes sense. They wanted to bring a vet in to sort of shore up that backfield. I think it is still Ronald Jones's role and job, but uh, we all know how, you know, veterans kind of get the nod and get the, um, you sort of get these work when it's unwarranted at times. And so I think that's going to happen. I think it's, I think he's going to be a, he's not going to be a valuable asset on his own, but he's going to be a thorn in any Ronald Jones's owner. Yeah. And that veteran status is going to be Tom Brady saying like, I want McCoy in the field right now. Yeah. And like, you know how he gets, he was, he'll get his way, but I think it kind of deters a bit of their value. But at the end of the day, I'm with John. I'm still going to go with Jones. We did see McCoy for limited status in Kansas City. Not the greatest uh, opportunity in like production, but I still think he has a little bit in the wagon, enough to get Ron Jones's value down and just forget about Vaughn. Like he probably might even see the like the light of day. Yeah, I agree with you guys too. I don't really think this impacts Ronald Jones too too much. Uh, overall, I mean, he's 32, 32 years old. I mean, we all know about running backs over 30. We saw him last year in Kansas City. wasn't too efficient last year, and he wasn't even available. He wasn't even active for the, you know, the AFC Championship game nor the Super Bowl. So that kind of I feel like tells you a little something about his ability to, you know, be on the field consistently. So, but we'll see. Tom Brady, you know, loves to get his way on things. So we'll see if that's something that comes up as we get close to the season. But we're here to talk running back rankings, guys. Uh, you know, we did quarterbacks last week. We're going to be talking about the first 25, I'd say. Uh, running backs uh, based off our three rankings combined um, we have a lot of variances especially in the mid the 20 25 rounds uh, but we're just gonna kind of get restarted here guys um, first two off the board obviously Christian McCaffrey we all have number one overall Saquon Bark we all have two overall uh, real quick guys anything you want to say that could maybe deter anyone away from them or are we pretty much just locked in don't worry but don't think twice about it 
Don't get cute. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Don't, don't overthink it. I mean, these are the top two backs for a reason. It's, it's pretty clear. I think, you know, having, you can have the argument if you want Saquon one and Christian McCaffrey two, but you know, semantics. They're both going to be absolute studs. Yeah. So don't, don't think twice about it, guys. Just take them where you can take them one, two, easy. He said it's done. Uh, three and four, we get a little, uh, little, little variance. Not much, but you know, Ezekiel Elliott comes in at three, and Alvin Kamara comes in at four here. Uh, you know, John, you have Alvin Kamara one above uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Are you expecting a big blow up season from Kamara? Is that kind of why you have him? I over am. Him? I am. I just expect a little bit of positive regression. I expect that he's gonna, um, you know, receive have that plenty of receiving work that he's had. Get those two hundred to two hundred twenty-five carries that he's kind of penciled in, penned in for, and he's in an offense that I love and an offense that I want to see. And in an off season, we talked about COVID being a weird off season. A head coaching change could make things different and make things difficult to get off the start. And I want to get off the gates fast and I want to get out of the gates, you know, great. Kellen Moore is still the offensive coordinator. So the offense might not, you know, take a big hit, but I don't know what a new head coach is going to do. I don't know what a new head coaching scheme is going to be like. I know what I'm getting with Sean Payton. I know what I'm getting with the saints. So I feel a little bit more comfortable with Kamara. So if I'm drafting, you know, that's kind of how I do my rankings as well as I do my rankings as if I'm drafting. And I think right now I would draft Kamara at Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, no, definitely. I couldn't agree more with you on that. I definitely did that in Dynasty, one of my Dynasty leagues the other day. So uh, I don't know if Jibs, I don't know if you agree with me, but for me, just having Ezekiel Elliott at three is mostly just because of a consistency factor. You know, guy who's been healthy his whole entire career, has got a good offense at least around him. Uh, I don't know if you agree with me, Jibs, or not. Uh, I was going to take my point on like the health thing because Kamara has missed a little bit of time the last couple of years, but Zeke's been just powering through it and He's just one of the. He's the reason why like the Cowboys are just pretty much in it for like the last couple of years. But you can't go wrong with either or. Like if it's more half PPR, or, or if it's a PPR league, it's definitely Camaro or Zeke. Though that's what I'll say. Yeah, no. I mean, eighty-one, you know, receptions, three, three, three straight seasons. You really can't beat that. That's for sure. But half point standard, I think it's got to be uh, Zeke on that, just in a general sense. Now we come to running back number five here. It's Dalvin Cook, and this is where we have one of our biggest differences in the, the, the top five of the running backs here, and, and it's me. Uh, you guys both have him at five. I have Dalvin Cook sitting at seven, and to me, it, it's it's a it's a factor, and I take somewhat of I take injury into the risk of my rankings, and I have to. And you know, when he missed twenty two games over the first what three years of his career, uh, that's a big red flag for me. That. Again, he may be a point during the season, someone who I can rely on, but if I can't rely on him for the fantasy playoffs, I've heard multiple owners over the year, over last year say they made the playoffs and they lost the first week because they lost to Elvin Cook. Again, you can't predict an injury. You really can't, but it just seems very trendful that he just can't stay healthy, and it's multiple injuries. It's not just one injury. It's multiple injuries he's had in his career. I think there's a possibility that he kind of kind of doesn't take 250 carries maybe a little less than that alexander madison was a bright star a lot of people seem to like could see more of a role uh and and in that kind of situation i feel like delvin cook could see less work to be a little bit more healthier and kind of survive so they actually can make a a playoff run with a quarterback who you know like in kirk cousins who again only threw for 444 times that's not going to happen he's going to throw for more maybe delvin cook sees that but i think the passing game kind of could see a little uptake even in this run first scheme but uh, why do you guys like Dalvin Cook? Is it just because his pure talent is amazing? 
I, I mean, I think it is a combination of a talent thing as well as an offensive scheme thing. They want to run the ball through him, whether he's healthy or not. And, and I think the fact that he's playing chicken with a holdout means that they're going to use him and abuse him this season. Uh, you know, they, unless they extend him, there's no reason to not. So they're also missing Stephon Diggs. This offense needs to have playmakers and needs to have weapons. He's going to get his work in the passing game in the in the in that flats. He's going to get his work in in sort of these wheel routes that he does out all the time, as well as he's pretty good. Madison might steal goal line touches, and I get nervous about that. Get nervous about sort of that up close short yardage work. But first down, second down, and then a majority of third down work is all going to be Dalvin Cook. So. I like him. I've been high on him ever since coming out of college. I, he was one of my favorite players at FSU, so I love seeing him come out of there. And when you see a guy at breakaway speed in college and sort of these really electric traits in college, and then you have it translate into the NFL, I know he hasn't been hyper healthy, but when he's on the field, he's electric. He runs away from guys. And so when those skills transcend and go to the next level, that means that that player is just, you know, on talent level level 100 you know and for me like we're doing the rankings because we think this player's going to score the most points i think he's going to score he has the most opportunity to score better points than derrick henry and nick chubb for instance because they're lower in my rankings and the scheme fits him perfectly like he's a very good pass catcher that kind of benefits him better than derrick henry and nick chubb per se so like even though the injury uh, factor is real and we know he could get this but at the end of the day like I still think he could get the opportunity and like rushing and get these fantasy points and still be a contender for a top five running back and get hurt too yeah definitely and I, guys when I talk about him being a little bit lower he's seventh I mean it's it's not like he's down to like 15 or something I think he's still a first round talent I just have injury concerns I probably won't draft Dalvin Cook anywhere this year just basically alone on that but if you get him you're going to get a guy who's Got top three potential in his game every single week. So uh, going to number six now, Derrick Henry. Across the board, we're pretty, you know, we all had Derrick Henry as our number six running back. So uh, nothing to really say much about there. Uh, going to number seven, though, that's where we have a really big difference. And, of course, it's, it's me again, guys. Uh, I have Nick Chubb sitting at number five. And, and a lot of people have been down on Nick Chubb. I see you guys a little bit lower on the list, and it, and it's really, to me, I just think Nick Chubb is a tremendous running back, tremendous talent. Again, the big elephant in the room is Kareem Hunt sitting there after he signed another one-year deal to come back. And again, that can be a real concern because we saw at the end of last season that you know Nick Chubb wasn't as efficient as a fantasy option when Kareem Hunt came back. But you know the new offense, Kevin Stefanski there, I think he's going to bring that somewhat of that run-first approach to this offense there and kind of limit Baker from really just flinging the ball over the place and let him be more of a play-action quarterback, you know, something that Kirk Cousins kind of did this past season here. And, again, uh, Dalvin Cook saw 250 carries. I mean, maybe they're not on this exact same level. Dalvin Cook definitely has more speed, but Nick Chubb is just really good running back as well, and he can still see 250 carries. And, I mean, I think Kareem Hunt could see 100 carries. I mean, I could think this could be almost a 400-carry team this coming season, or more at least. I don't see why it can't be. I think they, you know, you saw what they did, brought in some offensive linemen in the draft, and in free agency they brought in a, a really good blocking tight end in Austin Hooper as well. So I just think Nick Chubb sitting at five to me, I think he just has a real shot to beat through a lot of great work in this offense, even with Kareem Hunt stealing carries in the passing game and in the run game. I, I would agree. 
And what sucks about my Nick Chubb ranking is I love Nick Chubb. I think he's one of the best pure runners in the league right now. I think he's top three. The problem is the way fantasy points and fantasy scoring goes in running backs. Look at Derrick Henry last year. Derrick Henry led the league in rushing yards and had 18 total touchdowns, but still only finishes the RB5. You need that passing work to really break into that upper echelon, that upper tier fantasy asset. And I think with Kareem Hunt there, he's just, I don't know where those targets, if he's going to get any. He might see, you know, 40 targets, 50 targets, turn those into 30 receptions, but that's not a ton for me. I need more for out of my back that I, I love him in the second round. If you can grab, you know, uh, someone like a Dalvin Cook and then pair him with a Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb's never going to bust on you. Nick Chubb's going to, he's fine. He's going to, he's rushing for 300 attempts. He's going to be great. But I just get nervous in terms of that upper, upper echelon talent. I can't put him into that tier of the Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Kamara's, the Dalvin Cooks, uh, even Joe Mixon. I can't put him in that tier just because I don't see where that receiving work's going to come from. And I agree 100% with you just because, like, I had Nick Chubb in every league pretty much last year. Steve could attest to that. And he burned me a couple weeks. Like, he didn't get that receiving work. It was basically 86 yards. And if it wasn't a touchdown, hey, I'm stuck with freaking, like, 10 points for mm-hmm. my RB2. And, like, things stuck like that. But, like, like you said, like, he was second in rushing. He led the NFL in rushing up till week 17 pretty much. And... He's just an amazing talent. It's just that, like, he's like Derrick Henry. Like, I have him below Derrick Henry because I think Derrick Henry is the same exact profile kind of player, like you said before. And I think he's has a better opportunity with no competition. Correct. And, like, Nick Chubb can catch the ball. It sucks. And Kareem Hunt's there. So once he gets out of town, boy, he's about to go up. Yeah, no, definitely. Maybe hopefully 2021 Nick Chubb can really take off. But uh, no, I understand your guys' concerns about the receiving ability and it's definitely a concern that he's not going to see as, as much with Kareem Hunt. Uh, and I'm, I'm really hoping that he can figure they can figure a way to get this guy involved because he needs to be more involved in the passing game because he can't catch the ball. You saw his rookie year take them, some of the balls to the house that he got. So I'm really hoping for that to kind of, to kind of come back on this new offensive scheme here. So... Uh, coming at number, what are we, eight now, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And, again, this is where we have one of our other differences here, you could say. Uh, we're kind of all over the place. John, you have Clyde at seven. Jibs, you have him at nine. I have him at 11. So, um, John, I'll let you go first. Uh, obviously, we, I'm sure part of this rise was because of uh, Damian Williams holding out. But uh, you really believe uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is really going to make that jump? I, I do. And so I always look at multiple things when, when you're trying to predict um, fantasy, you know, fantasy success. And one of the things I look at is offense. He's in the best offense in the league, period. I mean, maybe you can make a case for the Ravens have a better running offense, but Kansas City's offense and tied to Pat Mahomes is the best situation I think you can be in. We saw Kareem Hunt as a rookie with no real competition become the RB3. I think that's in the cards for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's not the same type of running back as Kareem Hunt. He's not going to do the same on the ground, but he could make up for it with what he'll do through the air. You know, Alvin Kamara is 200 carries and, you know, however many, 80 receptions, 83 receptions every year, and he's always a top fantasy asset. I think we could see CMC sort of be that same exact thing, that Alvin Kamara on a team, 200 to 230 carries and then another 100 targets. And 100 targets in a Pat Mahomes run offense, to me, is super valuable. So 
I, t- I, you know, all I, all I can look at, it's hard. And this is why I hate this ranking to me was the hardest one. This sort of whole tier and we'll get, we'll get into it, but this, you know, seven to 12, this whole tier of running backs, which I put as my, my t- breakout candidates was really hard for me. I just, I struggled. And so I had to lean towards the best offense and, and Pat Mahomes, who I think was uber disrespected in the NFL top 100. Just had to pull oh, Absolutely. Out. Could not agree more with you. Uh, Jib, do you have anything you want to say on that Clyde Edwards Hill before I go? I think he might get bumped up in my rankings. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, like, like we talked about last week with um, saying like Cream Hunt when he first was on the Chiefs and like Pat Mahomes wasn't on that team and he just produced with Andy Reid. And now we're getting a guy who's pretty much profiling like Brian Westbrook, one of my favorite Eagles of all time. And I believe, like, you watched him in college. This guy is dirty. I don't think the Chiefs are going to run into the dirt. I think he will get some um, some backup work or someone, like, give him lesser carries. But I still think he'll do a quality job. And, like, I, you just can't go – I don't think too – you can't too, go too high on Clyde Edwards. Like, even though, like, he's been boosted up in the draft rankings, I still think the, the upside is just, like, enormous. I mean, Kareem Hunt had – so let me give you Kareem Hunt's stat line as a rookie. He had 272 rush attempts for 1,327 yards, eight touchdowns. And then he had 53 receptions for 455 yards and another three touchdowns. So say you make it 240 for, you know, CEH, which I think is a modest number in terms of rushing attempts. And then you up that receiving receptions to 75-80. I mean, what are you talking about? That's, yeah, that's a monster, that's a monster right? Scene. Like, that's a monster. And that's just what I'm – that's, a, I think, a pretty modest prediction. I think you can safely lock him in for – 230 carries and another 75 to 80 receptions at with the with the potential that he could be 275 to you know 275 carries and 75 80 receptions you know so yeah again in one of the what we think should be one of the highest scoring offenses in the league yeah i mean 250 touches right calls i mean he's he's I would, I, I right now without Damian Williams there, I could almost, I would almost bet my house that he's going to get 250 overall touches, with the hope that you get to 300. I, I mean, that would be big. That would be a big number. 300 touches, rece- you know, carries and receptions in that team is is nice. Oh yeah, no, I, I definitely. See what you got? Again, it, to me right now, I, I know that he's tremendous talent and everything, and I'm really not a knock on him. Honestly, having him in 11, honestly, to me, it wasn't a big knock. I just. He's a rookie. He hasn't even been on the field yet for any kind of team organized activity yet. I want to see a little bit first before. Again, he probably will go up in my rankings by the time we get to September and I start hearing more about him being on the field at least. Um, it, it just that the guys above him I really like as well. And, and honestly, guys, I probably will have him up from 11 to probably somewhere between 8 and 9 at that point, at some point before the season starts. It's just that. When I did my rankings, that's why I felt comfortable putting him at this time. I, there's a shot that they could bring a veteran still in. You don't know. Uh, that could actually compete with him a little bit. Again, I don't know how his touchdown upside is. I know he wasn't the best at his goal line carries in college. But, uh, again, the passing volume could be there to make his case and possibly being the top back there and have that 200-plus you know plus carries possibly. Uh, just, you know, I want to wait a little bit long before I actually move him up. But, He's definitely someone I could end up moving up the boards. I just have my 11 at this point because it's just why I felt comfortable putting him right now uh, overall. So, 
To be fair, I feel very uncomfortable having him at seven, but, <laughs> so, but I, I, I just have to. Um, but there's no comfort at all where I got him. I saw him go five in one of my te- drafts <laughs> the other day. Five. He went five. I was like, oh, my God. Like I don't know how that happened, but people are on the hype, and then I, I understand why. So he's a tremendous talent. So going over to the next guy here, number, I believe we're at nine now. Uh, going through this podcast quick here. Uh, Joe Mixon, guys, comes at number nine, and it looks like, you know, we have another difference here. Jibs, you have him at seven. Johnny, you have him at eight, and I have him at 12 right now. Uh, I guess I should tell me, I guess I should say why I have him the lowest and to go first here. And, and to me, it, it's it's his efficiency overall this past season. And I know Joe Burrow is there, and they may have more of a run-first approach possibly, but when it comes to, you know, last year, you know, you saw night and day with Joe Mixon. I mean, he was almost a droppable candidate midseason, and then he turned it up having 20-plus carries at the, like, final, like, six weeks of the season and just dominated. And I just don't see him consistently getting those 20-plus carries uh, every single week. This team's going to be behind in the game. I know he's got a passing ability to him, which makes him kind of valuable, but Again, A.J. Green's back, Tyler Boyd's there, you have T.J. Higgins there, uh, you have John Ross now there again, uh, being healthy. I mean, he's got a lot of weapons in the receiving game that I might limit Joe Mixon's upside in the receiving game, and uh, I just don't see him getting 20-plus carries each and every week, maybe early on in the season, but throughout the season, I think Joe Burrow ends up getting a little bit more comfortable and kind of throwing the ball more and kind of limiting Joe Mixon from getting those big carries, and I don't see Joe Mixon seeing 300 carries in nor do I see him seeing over, you know, 60 receptions in the season. I just don't see it. That's kind of why I have him a little bit lower on my list with a, you know, really bad Bengals team, so. Yeah, I think that the some of the offensive weapons coming back, some of the things you mentioned, is why I like Joe Mixon. I think that this Bengals offense, it, it stinks, right, to be in on Cincinnati. It's hard. It's really difficult. But you got to understand, they also got Jonah Williams back, um, you know, the first round pick last year to bolster up that offensive line. So that's going to take a step. The offense can't get any worse. I think that uh, Zach Taylor is going to adjust and get better as a coach since he also has no real competition in his backfield. I think he's one of those guys who when you look at breakout candidates that can get you to that Ezekiel Elliott. Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, where he's 275 carries and another 60 receptions. There's not very many people who have that in the bag. I think Joe Mixon does. Joe Mixon just needs to be healthy for a full 16 games, which you know he did last season. Uh, played a little banged up in one game, but 278 carries for a little over a thousand yards and five touchdowns. That's you know I think where he's going to live. It, it, now, if the offense goes forward and the offense is better, the touchdown upside comes up and those yards and, and sort of that, you know, 4.1 per attempt might get, might get a little better. And so now he gets into that 4.9 like he was in 2018 and you have 278 carries. I like that. That's a much better number. Now you're talking 13, 1400 yards on the ground and then you hope those touchdowns sort of bounce back. Realism in here, Jibs. You got the highest on this for me, it's just like he's. I feel like he's just one of those last like of the workhorse running backs. Like I wouldn't call him like a supreme workhorse, but you know he has like the legit opportunity. There's no competition, like John said before. And I'm just kind of it. Kind of just my ranking just has like a debate thing about like I just believe the Bengals' offense will be better with the pieces coming back. Um, 
Joe Burrow becoming there, the new starter there too. So I just have a little bit of hope. I just feel like when the Bengals were in games last year and had an opportunity to win or I wouldn't want to call it win, but like just trying to keep in the game, Joe Mason did work. Like you saw yeah. the carriage, you saw the monster yard. So like, I just think he's just right there. Like I wouldn't like, Pick him over. He might go down. I think Elaire's. I think it might be with John. He's going to seven. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) And it's it's not a talent thing with that. Those those two to me were like the hardest ones. That's where I really sort of was splitting hairs. But then I just leaned on the offense. I do think Kansas City's offense, surprisingly, is going to be better than the Bengals' offense. So uh, yeah, that one to me. But that's a they're they're close. They're similar. Yeah, no, I feel like that 7 to 12 range is you can kind of flip-flop a lot oh, of them and to an extent, like, you have a big excuse to, like, why they're great and an excuse to why they're not as great. And so, But they're all really great running backs. So, And we're going to finish out this tier real quick. We're going to mention uh, Josh Jacobs comes in at number 10 here. I got him at 9. Jib's got him at 11. Johnny got him at 8. Um, but we're going to go right to the next tier because we got a lot to get through here still. Uh, Miles Sanders comes in at number 11 here. We all pretty much close on that. Me and Jibs have him at 10. John, you have him at 12. Uh, but the first kind of breakaway from the this tier here is Kenyon Drake. And, you know, tremendous guy last year. Uh, after the switch from Miami to the Cardinals, dominated the end of the season. I have him sitting at 8. Jibs, you have him at 13. And, John, you have him at 11 right now. So, Jibs, I'll let you go first this time. Why are you so low on Kenyon Drake? I don't know. I just felt like he was just purely volume-driven with the Cardinals last year. And I think that with Kyler Murray going in his year two, I think they'll kind of lean on him a little bit more. So I don't think it's going to be just like Kenyon Drake just running wild loose. Like, I think he's a top 12 running back or top 13 running back. But at the end of the day, I'd just rather have Miles Sanders fanboy and I'll have Josh Jacobs over him as well. But you can't go wrong with Kenyon Drake either because he could do it all too. So... And if you think the Cardinals offense is going to be taking a step forward with their explosive playing scheme and mad plays, hey, it's a good offense to get involved with too. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree. I understand your I understand your concerns with Kenyon Drake. Uh, with me, though, and the reason I have him in eight is because I've always been a big Kenyon Drake fan. Back in the days in Miami, I was like, this kid just needs an opportunity to see big workload. He just needs it. And he never saw it consistently, consistently with an Adam Gase offense. And obviously last year, I didn't even see it last year. Uh, again, this team, I think, is going to be primed to take take some wins away from other you know people in their divisions, people in the NFL. And I think Kenyon Drake is the big part of that. If you saw the you know the Cardinals running game last year, you saw David Johnson the first six game be a top running back. You saw Chase Edmond come in there for two games and be a top running back. You saw Kenyon Drake come in during the second half of that season and be a top running back. I just think this kid has the ability to do it in both the passing and uh, rushing game and just kind of explode. I mean, yes, Chase Edmonds will be back and healthy this coming season, but I still think Kenyon Drake is a guy who could see 250-plus carries this coming season here and dominate with that, and he has a, a you know, receiving ability. I mean, there was one year he had, I believe it was, I think he had like 70 receptions, I think in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, the kid can receive the ball, and that, that's kind of why I really like Kenyon Drake sitting there at number eight right now because I think in his air raid offense, he's going to be using the passing game. I know they have Hopkins now, but I still think Kyle Murray's going to find a way to get Kenyon Drake involved because, you know, they, they were doing good things when Kenyon Drake was running the ball very well. So that's really why I have him sitting at eight. Uh, John, you have him at 11, though, so why don't you kind of tip the scale one way or the other? So... This was another one. He's difficult for me to 
it's difficult for me because I think that Chase Edmonds is going to have a role. I think Cliff Kingsbury uh, and this offense is not just going to use one back. The offense is efficient and the offense, you know, is going to run a million plays. You can't rely on one back to be out there, you know, 70% of the, you know, 70%, 75% of the time. So if it's a 60, 40 split, I think it'll, he'll get a lot of the important touches, a lot of the important work. But there is going to be Chase Edmonds weeks, I'm telling you, and it's going to be frustrating and it's going to suck. Um, but they, they're not tied to, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is not tied to one guy. His system works and operates through a myriad of players and a myriad of uh, sort of smoke screens in the offense. He always runs four wide, which is not great for a running back. It's just difficult. I think there's more volatility with Kenyon Drake than I care to admit. He had eight games with eight touchdowns in Arizona. Do I think there's going to be that much touchdown efficiency? I don't. I think that's going to come back down to, you know, reality as well. So it's nerve wracking because he's also someone like a last year, Aaron Jones, I can be totally wrong on. And I'm okay being totally wrong on that because there are people who will have outlier seasons and Kenyon Drake very well could have an outlier season in this offense. But if I'm playing the statistics game and sort of my projection and how I think this offense is going to break down, I have to rank them. You know, I feel more comfortable ranking him with the, you know, Austin Ecklers, Josh Jacobs, sort of that tier, this lower Aaron Jones, Todd Gurley, those guys. I can't quite put him up with the Joe Mixons, the Clyde Edwards, that tier of guys. He's just right on the bottom of thing, of course. Right on the bottom of that. No, definitely. I definitely, guys, get your guys a concern on. So um, going to the next day, we're going to kind of skip by these two guys here because we pretty much pretty much having pretty the same here i mean austin eckler aaron jones todd Gurley, you know number 13 14 and 15 so we're, we're pretty much and even if you look at our rankings guide we'll literally have them basically 13 14 and 15 for the most part so uh we pretty much all understand where these kind of guys are that you know they're the rb2 kind of type of individuals with upside to their game so uh going over to the next set here now we're getting to that 16 to 20 range um then for net pretty much all pretty good on him as well 15 17 and 17 um, we're all pretty tied on him, understanding who he is as a player. Uh, but next one on our list here is Dave Montgomery, sitting at eight, number seventeen right now. And it looks like Jibs, you are really low on Dave Montgomery at twenty-four. While me and John are sitting at eighteen with Dave Montgomery right now. Why are you down on Dave Montgomery from kind of having that bounce back season? I, I I don't know. It's just like the because the Bears didn't really do much to their offensive line to like sort of stabilize that, and then like just to like the quarterback conundrum. I don't know if that will play like an effect on like how the operate offense operates and stuff. So that's why I'm gonna just rank him a little bit lower. I do see like he does have like he has 250 carry like upside, which is it's pretty good. And like where you could get him at in drafts, it's like phenomenal value. So like I just can't rank him that high. I can't. It's just, it's just feels sketchy with the Bears going that high to me. I mean, last year the Bears had 400 rushing attempts with 395. So it, it, say they do it again, 400 rushing attempts. They're not going to Tariq Cohen. They're not going anywhere other than, you know, the Novak's going to get 400. I mean, other people get mixed in there. But uh, it, he doesn't have much work. He doesn't have much competition for work on the ground. And I think, they, I think David Montgomery is disrespected as a running back sometimes. He had a, a flop sort of rookie year coming in highly touted and highly but again it wasn't horrible he still ran for a decent amount i'm going to pull his stats up right now but i i think that towards the end of the season you saw him come into his own you saw him 
you know, find space on the ground. You also saw him get used in the passing game, which another team that's just going to be looking for playmakers on offense. You can't just run through, uh, you know, Allen Robinson all year. It's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for sure. Let me pull this up while you guys. Yeah, I, I guess I'll get my reasons. Suspects. I I just think you saw what you saw last year, and it was just a bad year, and it was the whole Bears team was bad. I mean, Mitch Trubisky regressed. <laughs> I mean, besides Allen Robinson, no one else really was good. We saw everyone take a step down, and I just think the way the offense was running, it just wasn't a good success for, you know, Dave Montgomery to really break out because they just weren't playing the same way you saw in 2018 when they ran the ball with Jordan Howard and they used Tariq Cohen. They didn't have that same ability, and that's part of the reason why I'm kind of jumping back on the horse with Dave Montgomery. John, do you yeah, find so two, 250, 242 attempts last year for almost 900 yards. That's, again, I think his floor. So if he can go and be a 1,000-yard rusher and then you get maybe another 200 yards through the air, that's a good season for where you're getting him and his ADP. His ADP is, uh, you know, what, not where he deserves to be. He, he should be going in front of guys like, um, you know, he should be going in front of guys like Melvin Gordon and Chris Carson and Leonard Fournette and Lev Bell. He should be going in front of those guys to me. And right now he's not. He's down there with the Devin Singletary's of the world. So, Yeah, he's definitely a great round six, seven type of running back right now. You get and get that RB2 value right now. That's where he's going. In it. And I'm literally trying – I'm literally gathering him in every single one of my drafts because – it's just a great value right there that you're going to get a guy who could see that big workload. And, again, Tariq Cohen's not going to eat into his workload. Tariq Cohen's like a 50-carry guy, you know, and, you know, Montgomery's going to see possibly 250 carries in this offense still. And, again, it's only going to be better having either Nick Foles or hopefully Mitch Trubisky can bounce back. I, I just don't see it getting worse for him. I see him having some kind of positive regression and, and seeing more work, more efficiency in his game this coming season. So that's why I have him at 18-2. Uh, I'm going over to the next guy here, um, Chris Carson, coming in at number 18 uh, at this point. And, John, you have some negative things on Chris Carson right now. I probably get, I probably get why. I probably get why. I buried him in my stats. <laughs> I even texted Brian today. I was, I was talking to him. I said we were going over our projections and going over stats and stuff. And I was like, I, I am going to have to defend why I have Chris Carson so low. And I don't know if I can other than I don't like the injury risk. That's all I have. That's all I have against him. I think Chris Carson is a phenomenal running back. I think Chris Carson is great. There's, uh, he's in, Between the tackles, he's a hard, violent runner on a team that likes to run the ball unnecessarily um, You know, when you have Russell Wilson and some of the passing options. I don't know why they run the ball the way they do, but they do. And that's what's going to happen. So if he is healthy, again, this is another person I'm willing to be wrong on. If he's healthy and he plays 16 games, I have him criminally low at 28. I just don't believe he's going to go out there and play 16 games healthy. I think that he's going to get injured at some point in the season. Coming off a you know broken hip that they thought he was going to have to have surgery on. There was questions whether he was going to start on the pup. Now he's you know they're saying he's okay. They go out and get Carlos Hyde as, as an insurance policy in case they did need to go on the pup. I, I mean, the team's transactions and what the team is doing told me that they weren't confident Chris Carson's healthy. And now all of a sudden, Chris Carson's going, no, I'm good. I'm going to start. I don't know if his run style and his play style is going to keep up for 16 games. He's, to me, a very – kind of has that Alex Collins sort of feeling from a couple of years ago to me. That's kind of how I gauge it. And so – 
I don't want to be the one holding the hot potato at the end of the season when this falls apart, because when Chris Carson falls apart, it's going to be bad. It's so I'm willing to just be wrong on this guy. And I'm, he's, I buried him in my draft, in my projections and in my uh, board because I don't want to draft him. So, like I said, I rank people based on how I draft. I just wouldn't draft Chris Carson right now. No, definitely. I definitely understand the concern. The injury is a huge, scary thing. And we had a podcast where we that injury is such a freak injury that never happens in the NFL. So they don't really have a lot of information on why that injury happened and what the recovery and the outlook on the future is. So it's a bit risky. Um, Jibs, I'll let you kind of talk first because you have Chris Carson the highest on um, right now sitting at 16. So it just comes back to like the point John said earlier. You just want like a running back and a good offense. And I think Seattle's offense is a premier offense in the NFL. And Pete Carroll just loves running the ball. Yeah, like he can make the running backs interchangeable, but like he sticks to one guy at a time. So, and Chris Carson's got that guy to further notice. So I just think maybe like he finished our like. RB, just finished the top 12 in both PPR and um, half PPR center leagues last year. And I think even being modest with the injury risk at 16 for my ranking is good enough. Yeah. Uh, and, and the reason I really have Chris Ellis Carson high still is that uh, I'm looking at his talent and the injury is a huge risk. And when you draft him, you have to take that into consideration. The fact that he hasn't been put on the pump list yet or anything like that. I think both well because Rashad Penny just got thrown on the pump list. So, again, he could still be thrown on the pump. But as of right now, still in the beginning of August, he hasn't. It definitely bodes well for him. Uh, I know they brought Carlos Hyde in. They drafted DJ Dallas uh, overall. But I think Pete Carroll likes Chris Carson. And if he wouldn't have been starting him if he didn't like him. I mean, the kids th- you know, fumbled seven times last season. I mean, any other coach would probably just kick Chris Carson to the curb by now. I mean, I probably would. Uh, fumbling is a big red flag right now and as a running back but Pete Carroll loves Chris Carson and I think as long as Chris Carson is healthy week one I think he could get at least 14 games out of him pretty strongly he may miss a couple games possibly due to he just is an injury prone kind of guy but he runs hard I think he get at that over a thousand yards he's going to see passing work he saw you know 46 receptions 46 targets this past offseason I mean he can do a lot of things in, a, in this you know offensive Seattle that's you know top tier right now with the passing game probably going to see somewhat of an intake hopefully uh i just think chris carson has a good shot to repeat as a maybe not an rb1 like he was last year but a pretty strong rb2 still in fantasy football so that's kind of why i'm a little bit higher on chris carson and going over the next one here number 19 here uh david johnson pretty you know we're pretty even on this one not too bad as well you know 18 21 22 um, and then Melvin Gordon comes in at number 20 overall right now. And that's when we have a really bigger difference here. Uh, John, I'll let you kind of go first because you have uh, Melvin Gordon sitting at 23 now. And you kind of mentioned him and you weren't as high on him. So tell us a little bit why you're not as high on him. Um, this one to me is just, uh, I think Philip Lindsay gets lost in the fold. Um, and I think, that, you know, there's two back set. Melvin Gordon worked well because of his hyper efficiency in that offense. Um in the offense in San Diego or LA, whatever it was then when he was doing what he was doing, but you know, he's going to see a similar role. I just don't know if this Broncos offense is going to be as efficient as that was when it was Phil rivers and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And I know the Broncos offense loaded up, but I'm not buying in quite yet. So I just think this is just a, he's not the clear cut 
100% workhorse back there. Will Philip Lindsay will be there and will get work and get touches because he's a good running back, d- despite what people want to think. Um, he gets thousand yards on the ground for a reason. And then you have to tie that into the fact that I think this offense is going to be a slower moving offense. They're going to try and rely on defense and, um, you know, hit a big play with a, uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy every once in a while. They're not going to be this sort of chess moving, uh, plenty of touches to go around. So to me, it's just a scarier opportunity. It's you're getting a 70% of what you were getting of Melvin Gordon in, in LA. So, 70% 70% of what that was as it was sort of to me, not enough to break him into that top. He's, you know, he's wide receiver too. He's a bottom wide receiver too. He'll have weeks, but overall I think his finish is going to be in that lower tier range. And you were going to see people who are upset with where they're going to draft him. No, uh, definitely. I definitely get your, get your concerns on that for sure. Uh, I actually just recently did my Melvin Gordon's like, you know, in-depth analysis. And I just, at first, I was like, I don't really want anything to do with Melvin Gordon in Denver. It just doesn't seem appropriate. You know, Philip Lindsay's there. I mean, I, I mean, this pass. I'm you know huge Drew Lock fan, so the passing offense is gonna go. But uh, the more I did into it, I was like, just you know, Melvin Gordon is definitely someone you can get. I feel like in a sneaky, you know, round six, that's an RB two or three possibly for your team. I mean, if you go that zero RB approach, that I don't recommend, but people do seem to like that zero RB approach. Um, Melvin Gordon wouldn't be a horrible decision because I think he has that rushing upside still in his game. I know Philip Lindsay's there, but uh, down the stretch when you saw Drew Locke and they were winning games and, you know, Philip Lindsay was getting like, you know, 17, 19, 18 carries down the stretch there. I think Melvin Gordon can still do that. And yes, he's going to be splitting time with Philip Lindsay because I think Philip Lindsay will be very involved in this offense still. I don't think they're just going to go away from him, but you kind of saw what... Melvin Gordon would look like more of a split role last year with Austin Eckler and down the stretch. He was an RB10 down the stretch, and and he was very involved in the passing game. Melvin Gordon is an underrated pa- uh, pass catcher, and then he's had four straight seasons with eight plus eight touchdowns plus. That is something to look into. Maybe he doesn't see that this year, but leave the last two seasons, Phil Lindsay had 17 touchdowns the last two seasons. So they like to run the ball near the red zone, near the goal line, getting those red zone opportunities, and, you know, Vic Vanji, I believe he's the head coach. You know, I think he's a run-first guy. He wants to run the ball, uh, old-school kind of guy. And I think Gordon is the guy you can get in that, like, round five, six, seven range. Maybe not seven, but five, six range who can be a solid contributor for your team. Just have to assume that there's going to be a couple of weeks where, you know, Phil Lindsay does the better game. But I think Melvin Gordon, you bring him in for two years. You don't pay a guy like that for two years just to bring him in. I think he gets used a little bit more, at least in that first season. So, and Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Yeah, and I, I get your point as well, too. He could end up not seeing as big of a workload as I'm predicting probably he could see. So I definitely understand your take on there, John. So, uh, and Jibs, you're the highest on him. So tell us about Melvin Gordon. Uh, <laughs> no, neither. I think you guys stole everything. I don't think I'm going to take him back in the ring because that's what the hell. Oh, come on. You're, you're signing with John on this one, Jibs? God. The, uh, the Broncos just also lost their uh, right tackle. They sure did. Too, so, like, sure that's going to be a little impact hit, too. So, I think before the Rankins, I felt like they had 19. Uh, just, I think he's a better version. Not like a better version. I think he's a better player than Philip Lindsay. Uh, he's still going to get his touches, but I still think that Broncos offense operates a lot better to do the run, and he has a chip on his shoulder. Like that first game against the Chargers, he's gonna be my DraftKings daddy for the week, bro. Like he's gonna get like four touchdowns. Oh, uh, oh god! Oh uh, god! 
like like Steve, you made a good point. Like he's you're getting good value on him no matter what. Like wherever you pick him in the draft, if he moves up around, if he stays out in his current ADP, like he's still you're still gonna get something out of him. Yeah, I mean, he's been going in round three in some drafts I've seen. If you do that, you're making a big mistake. But if you get him in round five or six, I think it's a better value overall for a guy like Melvin Gordon. Um, and now we'll go into the last part of the tier here. Uh, we'll start with, you know, 21. We got Le'Veon Bell. Well, pretty much on par with Le'Veon Bell. 22, 21, 19 uh, in that order. Um, and then we got Devin Singletary. We haven't really talked much about Devin Singletary. So, you know, real quick... Um, you know, Jibs, why don't you like Devin Singletary as much? Is, are you scared of Zach Moss being there? Yeah, I am scared of Zach Moss and Josh Allen Vulture and touchdowns. I just think that offense is just going to be weird in general. And, like, maybe you got the COVID scares, but they also had a little minor outbreak before with the rookies and whatnot. So I, maybe they're not doing, like, the nice little uh, quarantine and the social distancing plans that the NFL brought forward. So I think they could be susceptible to – more COVID. That's just my beliefs, but like I'm not going to put that on my uh, on the listeners and whatnot too. I just think Devin Singletary. I think he might be a little bit capped on his upside, okay, rather than some of these other players. No, I definitely understand your point on that. So uh, we're going to go to the next one because uh, there's a one we really want to talk about because we haven't really talked about this guy too much on a podcast lately, and it's Jonathan Taylor. We haven't talked about him really since May. Um, you know, rookie pick. Going to the Indianapolis Colts, sitting at 23 right now on our board here. And, John, I'm going to come to you, buddy, because you're sitting at 16. Um, I probably could understand all your points, but tell the listeners why you have him at 16. (laughs) So, Jonathan Taylor, this one's, to me, like I said, I always look at a few things. And one of them is going to be situation as well as talent. I I think he was my number one graded running back coming in pre-draft. And then he lands behind the best offensive line in football. So I think it's just a, a perfect storm for what will be a a great long-term decision if you draft this guy. If you're in Dynasty, um, I get it. You're going to take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire 101 because you want that immediate point and that immediate success. Jonathan Taylor will take over this backfield at some point. They are not in no way, shape, or form tied to Marlon Mack. So he will take this over. I think it's going to be sooner rather than later because he's a generational talent. I, I think he could take over this backfield week three. And Frank, he's going to force Frank Reich's hand where he's going to say, look, you can't take me off the field because I'm the best ball carrier you have by a mile. To me, what you saw in college, the fact that he was dominating in, in, a, in a division that shouldn't have – shouldn't have bad running backs performances. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it, it's all through the air in this, in with Wisconsin generally, you know, and then all of a sudden he comes out, pumps up 2000 yard seasons. He's, he's leading the FBS in, in rushing yards perennially. I want that guy behind a great offensive line that he has in Indianapolis. So to me, I think it's, it's both a knock on Marlon Mack that I don't think that I think Marlon Mack's good. I think he's just a guy and, Jonathan Taylor, to me, is a much more generational talent, and that's where it's. I think it's going to lie. I, I, I have him at 19 because even if he goes out there in week five and, and takes over the job, week six, say, he can do enough in the rest of that where he'll make up for it in fantasy performances. Yeah, no, Jonathan Taylor, I think I had him as my RB2 during drafts. I mean, the kid is just 
amazing. I agree with all your points there on that for sure. I mean, this kid's definitely, if it's not 2020, it's 2021 as Jonathan Taylor, I'm screaming, shouting in every single possible way because he's going to be a stud. First, second round pick probably next year. I'm, I'm saying it now. So he's a tremendous talent. Uh, the only reason I have him low right now, and, and it's basically just because of the way this offseason is going. If, you know, he was in training camp, you know, in the OTAs, whatever it may have been, I might have him a little bit, probably a much higher, probably close to your ranking there, John. But I just do believe that Marlon Mack gets very involved early on in the season. Maybe, yes, at some point, I think he kind of takes over. Marlon Mack becomes kind of a compliment to Jonathan Taylor. And at that point, but just an entire season-wise, I just feel like you're going to, don't reach for a guy who may not perform to your liking early on in the season. Maybe week one because they do versus the Jags. But as that list for that first part of the season, I feel like it's going to be a little bit back and forth. Maybe it even carries, and it's really going to drive you crazy when you take him possibly in the third round. And that's why I have him a little bit lower on my list. And Naeem Hines is going to definitely be involved in the passing game. I don't think they're just hyping him up for no reason. He is a really good pass catcher. I know Jonathan Taylor is too. Um, but I just think that they're going to work all these guys in this first year and maybe maybe taking that one shot to make a Super Bowl run with Phillip Rivers at the helm. So, again, I think he could be someone, if you want to take him in round three, go for it. Because if you're in the fantasy playoffs, I think by then he's going to be just steamrolling over def- uh, opponents. But you just hope that in the beginning of the season he may struggle a little bit to see that big workload that we're all wishing he gets early on. So that's kind of why I'm a little bit lower right now and just in my rankings. And Jibs, uh, you're a similar fate than me, 25 as well. It's me. I just don't know when that transition period will happen when he'll take the rain. So like, I don't want to bank on it being in the first four weeks. But I remember Mata saying this would be probably mid in the season. But what happens is if it's the last, the latter part of the year. So like, you just never know. Like I like John said, you want to get off to a hot start, and I just think Marlon Mack will have some kind of value going into. Um, the beginning of the season. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I have, I'm a dynasty owner of Jonathan Taylor, and I think the Jealous. sky's the limit for this guy. So at the end of the day, he's a phenomenal talent. Like maybe I am too low on him, but at the end of the day, if it's a 16 scene, 16 game season, I think he's going to be taking the reins. Like I said, halfway through the season, and it could freaking be bountiful for fantasy owners. He's your lottery ticket. Exactly. That's league what he winner. Is. And league right winner. Now, you know, I again, I rank the way I draft, and right now I'm drafting him ahead of guys that, uh, you know, I think Chris again. Chris Carson's a perfect example. I'm drafting him way ahead of a guy like Chris Carson because I just I think there is much more boom potential with a pick like a Jonathan Taylor than there is a Chris Carson. Chris Carson to me is a safe pick, which is fine if that's how you're constructing your roster. That's why I, again, I. I always go back to roster construction and how you build your team to me i just feel like when i've been drafting i find myself loading up on running back first two rounds and then my third running back is sort of my flex slash you know lotto ticket running back big lotto ticket running back and if that's jonathan taylor i'll take that eight ways to sunday no definitely i definitely if i'm grabbing him as my third rb all day i'm going to be a happy camper coming in 2020 season that's for sure so Mm-hmm. Um, let's get to the one more real quick. Uh, James Conner came in at 23. We were pretty close. Jim had him a little higher on him, but uh, we're gonna talk. We'll talk about him another day. Um, and then I'm gonna skip the guy we're gonna talk about. And I'm just gonna mocking him real quick. Finish the day at 26, just because we kind of the way our rankings fell, we all kind of had a little bit uh, niche into him a little bit there. 
But I want to talk about DeAndre Swift. He comes in at number mm-hmm. 25. Um, and we have him all over the place right now. Um, John, you have him at 20. I can. I probably understand why. Jibs, you have him at 28. I probably also can understand why. Uh, Jibs, I'll let you go first on this one, though. Why are you low on DeAndre Swift? It's the same points I made with Jonathan Taylor. Like, and I don't think the Lions' offense is like beyond any measures. But I think he probably will get the Rams' job sooner than later. I think he'll get a quicker than on Jonathan Taylor. But I still don't think that Lions' offense is going to be crazy beyond any means. I may be lower. I may have to move him up. Like I said, like I have a little funk punctuations in the top 20s of my rankings so he does have some consideration because i am pretty low on carry on johnson this year yeah you gotta move him up if you're gonna do that my friend not uh, i get your points i'll do it now i get your point so I, I mean i can see why you could see a negative on him i mean the lions haven't had a thousand run thousand yard rusher in over like eight ten years now um you know the run game it just hasn't been a big part of this offense with matthew stafford kind of chucking the ball downfield consistently over his career the offensive line is, is a little shaky still at times um but you know john's going to tell us why john day Schrift is probably going to see a big workload this year probably so john that's exactly it i think he is going to see a, a decent amount of workload daryl bevel came in i think daryl bevel is you know, going to be a, a very run focused guy and he has himself two backs that complement each other really well believe it or not i think carry on johnson and uh, deandre swift both you know, will work well and look good together. 407 rush attempts last year, and that was with a subpar offensive line. That was with a suspect, at, you know, in the backfield. I think you get a healthy carry-on. You get DeAndre Swift, uh, who, again, was one of, you know, mine and Brian's top-rated rookies coming in pre-draft. So I don't love the landing spot, but, you know, we didn't love the landing spot for A.J. Brown last year either, and he and he turned out just fine. So, Sometimes talent outweighs landing spots and landing situations. I think combination of Daryl Bevel, uh, combination of, um, you know, the way this offense is going to operate, the fact that, you know, six, 7.2 yards per attempt in college uh, it was his average. He's good. And in the SEC, which is not no joke that he's, you know, averaging that. And then his passing work, averaging nine yards uh, a reception and for his passing work, which he can do as well. So I like him. I like the volume. Again, give him that 250, you know, carries and 30 receptions. And I think that's great. And that's a very realistic number for DeAndre Swift. Yeah, no, I'm, I was, I was definitely very high on DeAndre Swift. I had him as my rookie running back overall, first overall. I mean, the fact that I think he's going to be involved in the passing game is going to be huge for him a little bit. Uh, and maybe not be as much as with the receptions, but he was a fantastic, uh, you know, pass protector in college, uh, watching him, you know, pass protect, he could pick up the blitzes. I think he will eventually, the Lions will eventually see that more as they get him on the field and say, they got to get this guy on the field more. And to me, I think he will see even more than uh, John, we were talking about when he said 30 receptions, I think he could see close to 50 possibly this season. Uh, the way, you know, this team is running right now, the way all the injuries every single year with Marvin Jones, it seems like, uh, I could see getting really involved in the receiving game this year and, and being a surprise to a lot of people, kind of like A.J. Brown, maybe not to the same level, but uh, definitely a surprise where you're getting him later in round like seven or eight right now in draft. So I, I like DeAndre Swift for a lot this year. So. Uh, and- I'm with you. Anytime you did drafts, uh, rookie drafts, or you talked about rookies pre-draft, DeAndre Swift was always in the top of the you know top of the heap and a lot of experts and a lot of sort of guys that I follow and trust and you know scouts were saying 
DeAndre Swift is, you know, all around one of the best backs coming in. You know, Jonathan Taylor was probably the best runner. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was probably the best pass catcher. But DeAndre Swift was the sort of the best all-around back. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's going to be good. He's he's a good talent in an offense with Daryl Bevel that's going to give him the opportunity. Yeah. I, I'll take that. All day, absolutely. And I think, I mean, a lot of my rookie drafts, I've seen him go as like the fifth, sixth running back, fifth or sixth person off the board. I mean, he's just being so undervalued right now. People are going to regret that in a year or two when he's it is. an RB1. It really is. RB1 all day. He's going to be an RB1 by, by 2021, 2022 guys. So uh, look out for DeAndre Swift as he gets and comes into this season. So uh, that is the end of our episode, guys. Uh, we went through a lot of running backs there. I uh, wish we had more time in the, just to talk about more, but I love to keep it to an hour long top. So uh, we're going to end it here today. We talked about, about, you know, 16 of the 25 running backs or so. Uh, so hopefully you guys got some good intel on that to help your guys' rookie drafts, not rookie drafts, but 2020 drafts this coming season as we get inch closer and closer. So, John, I'd like to thank you for jumping on today. This was a lot of fun. You had a lot of great insights on some of these running backs there, so I really do appreciate that. Anytime, boys. This was, uh, this was, it's fun to be a guest on a show. I don't have to host it. And it's easier. Sort of drag. <laughs> Brian drags his heels sometimes, and i got to pull a lot of information out of him. So it was nice to, to be a guest and just come along for the ride. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely easier to be the guest sometimes, that's for sure. Um, and Because <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> I know i got to edit and record all this stuff afterwards, so it's not, not as fun to do that stuff. So I like this part of it, just talking about it. But uh, why don't you let all of us know if you have anything you want to mention, things you're working on right now, anything in general. It's your floor real quick. Sure. So uh, the podcast is really where we do everything. Um, you can find it at FTLS Fantasy Football Podcast. Like I said, just search where uh, we just cracked into the top 10 in fantasy football podcasts on, on Apple iTunes. So um, big accomplishment there. You can follow Brian on Twitter at FTL Sunday. Um, he's sort of the brains of the operation. He actually just got top eight. Uh, he was number eight in um the expert rankings last year in 2019. So big accomplishment for him. He, his rankings are spot on. He's one of the smartest people I know when it comes to sort of player analysis and, you know, how to scout players and projections and things of that nature. So definitely give him a follow. I'm just more the sort of film gr- grinder. I watch players. I give my, my opinion and we sort of balance and each other out pretty well, but the podcast is where you can check us out. And we've been doing this great, you know, when we get into season, we'll do much more start sits and injury reports and all those different things. But we've been filling the off season with a great segment we call roster doctors and people send us their rosters and sort of what they are looking to do. You know, should I trade Julio? Should I do this? Should I do that? And we sort of break down one-on-one their roster and what we think we would do if we were owning the team and if we were managing it. And so we did it thinking it was just a fun way to fill up the off season and shoot the, uh, shoot the shit and it took off. So if you have any sort of rosters you want us to dissect, you have any sort of, you know, big decisions you need to make, send them over to me or Brian on Twitter and we'll break them down. We'll basically give you a whole custom episode, about 30 to 45 minutes on your, on your team. So it's been a lot of fun doing that. And, and then we get into the grind of the regular season any minute. And then it's just, weekly start sits it's injury reports it's uh we also do a lot of dfs stuff um and we do again all on the podcast comes out now three generally three times a week when we try to try to pump it out so uh we get a lot of content out there for you guys 
Yeah, so guys, go give him a follow. Go check out the podcast. You know, this is a great guy right here. Great guest on the show. So uh, give these guys a follow. Uh, so definitely check them out during the regular season so as well. So uh, as always, guys, please go check out our website at www.thefantasycoaches.com. We have these podcasts. We have my new live streams. I started 32 teams in 32 days. It's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of a lot of work. I'm on team three tonight. I'm going to be doing this again tonight. And, uh, you know, we got articles pumping out every day, some sleepers we got out there, some fan of zero RB strategies, articles, a lot of cool things going on out there on, the, on our website. You can follow us at Coaches Fantasy. You can follow me at Coach Stephen P. Are you? Um, yeah, there you I'll go. <laughs> yeah, so give, give us a follow, guys. We'll be back on Thursday morning where we will do some more back half running backs. Uh, we're going to have Kyle Yates on from Fantasy Pros, and me and Jibs will probably dissect a couple more of those handcuffs and late, late, late round sleepers you can look into the, for the 2020 season. So I appreciate you guys for listening. Until next time. Take care, be safe, and have a great one, guys. The back is not far fetched. We got a couple of clock cans. I've been feeling super duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like pooper scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Shh, like boom, running like zoom. The highest and mighty has entered the room. High off the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players cover this nuts as legumes. Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running track. Listen up, Jack. I'ma head back. Back to the blowing that, blowing that, blowing that. Go.